huffing a little. Truth be known, she was also drinking in the view and the cactus and the birds, birds so different from the ones she'd grown up with back in Chicago. And she was also thinking about how wrong she'd been and wishing things had been different. Herman had wanted to move here the moment he retired from working for Merck. She was the one who had fought it, saying they should stay where they were in order to be closer to the kids and grandkids, although a lot of good that had done. Finally, when Herm's arthritis had gotten so bad that he could barely walk, she had relented. Now she was sorry they hadn't come sooner, while Herman would have been able to reap some of the benefits of desert living. His arthritis had improved so much once they were in Arizona it was unbelievable, but then the rest of it had happened. The dry climate could do nothing at all to stave off the ravages and gradual decline that was Alzheimer's. As for the kids, once Herm died, it had been plain enough that what they wanted more than anything was to get their greedy little hands on their father's money. Well, thanks to the trust Herm had wisely insisted on setting up, they weren't getting any of that, not until Sybil was damned good and ready. And that was another reason she walked every single day. She was determined to live as long and as well as she could. Let him wait, she told herself fiercely as she marched along. They can wait until hell freezes over. When she returned to Chicago for Herm's funeral, her friends there hardly recognized her. They thought she had dropped the excess weight she had carried all those years in a fit of sudden grief. In actual fact, the process had been much less abrupt than that, and much more permanent. She had started by walking four miles each day on the flat but circular streets in their Ahwatukee neighborhood. Later, she had forced herself up and down the steeper grades and gradually more and more difficult trails throughout South Mountain Preserve. Sybil was one of the early birds this crisp January morning. She had seen not a soul on her morning walk, at least no other humans, in the course of her almost three solitary hours. There had been plenty of bunnies, however, and scads of other early birds, doves, quail, skittish roadrunners, breakfasting cactus wrens, finches, colorful hummingbirds, hawks, and even an ebony-feathered, red-eyed phenopepla. Now as she approached the spot where the trail crossed San Juan Road, it was close to mid-morning and the sun was high. San Juan Road had been closed indefinitely for some strange reason, so there shouldn't have been any traffic. Still, Sybil was too much of a city girl to cross a road or street without looking both ways. And that's when she saw it, what appeared to be a pile of rags or trash lying in the middle of the roadway, some thirty or forty yards northeast of the now-abandoned San Juan parking lot. Offended that someone would toss out a load of garbage and leave it in the road, Sybil headed in that direction. She was determined to clean up the mess and haul it off to the nearest garbage containers. Ten yards or so away from the debris field, however, she saw the blood. With a trembling hand, she pulled out her cell phone and dialed 911. Emergency operator, what are you reporting? Sybil was closer to the mess now, much too close, and wished she wasn't. There was blood everywhere. It was hard to tell that the flayed and bloody pulp inside the pile of shredded clothing was even human, but she knew it was. A body, she managed at last. I've just found a human body lying here in the middle of the road. 
She didn't hear the panic in her voice, but the operator evidently did. Calm down, the operator advised her. What is your name and your location? Sybil took a deep breath and forced herself to get a grip. Sybil Harriman, she replied. I'm in the park, South Mountain Preserve. The body is just to the east of the abandoned parking lot on San Juan Road. Units are on the way, the operator told her briskly. Are you sure the person is dead? Did you check for a pulse? Sybil looked at the mound of bloody flesh, searching for wrists. One hand, virtually skinless, was little more than a bloody stump. The other hand contained a relatively recognizable thumb, but the four fingers seemed to have been mashed flat. Sybil knew at once there would be no pulse in either one of those two mangled wrists, nor would there be any possibility of bringing the bloodied victim back to life. He's dead.